Hey, what's up, guys? This is Jose Flores, international motivational speaker, best-selling author, and life coach. And if you want to build world-class communication skills, you should definitely be listening to the Art of Communication podcast with my very good friend, Greg Rice. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. Today, we got a great one for you guys. I spent some time sitting down with Jose Flores, the mindset disruptor. Now, Jose is a motivational speaker. He's the host of I Won't Stop Until I Win podcast and the author of the best-selling Don't Let Your Struggle Become Your Standard book. And we talk about a lot of different things. One thing you should know about Jose is that he is disabled and, and mostly paralyzed, yet he is a powerful motivational speaker and accomplishes so much within his life, despite the fact that he's struggling with a debilitating disability. So we talk about the importance of controlling your own mindset when communicating with someone. Right? It's so important and he's such a pro at it. We talk about what he means by aggressive listening and how you can become an indispensable leader. So I really enjoyed this one. Jose is a super positive guy, really engaging, and I think we can all learn a lot through what he's been able to achieve. Jose, man, thank you for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah, me too, man. Thanks for having me, man. I'm always excited to connect with new people, brother. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And we were just talking about, you know, doing some of the background and research here. You've kind of motivated me in a really positive way, so I'm excited about the inspirational messages you're going to be able to kind of to kind of bring to my audience here. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I'm ready to rock and roll. <laughs> awesome. So if we could, though, I'd love to kind of take it back. I always like to start with where you started that, right? Like what led you down this path of wanting to leverage probably some of your biggest challenges to help others and to drive, uh, you know, motivation, inspiration to the world? Yeah, man, absolutely. That's a great question. You know, for me, you know, I was born and raised in the Bronx, New York. Uh, so I'm a city boy and I had a great childhood. I had a, a phenomenal childhood, actually. Sometimes I wish I can go <laughs> back to being a child, right? <laughs> I think we all do. Uh, right? When those bills start kicking in. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, but I was born with a neuromuscular condition called spinal muscular atrophy. And basically what that does is the older I get, the weaker my muscles get. And the doctor said that by the age of 15, I would end up in a wheelchair and they weren't even expecting me to live past my teenage years. Wow. Just dealing with that alone, just growing up, knowing that there's something inside of my body that's, that's eating away at it and eventually is going to take its toll was a big thing for me mentally. I never really expressed it like verbally or even physically. I was never really depressed or anything like that. And then when it started kicking in when I was in high school, that's when you know, the rubber started to meet the road, so to speak, and, and it really started to take its toll on my body. And so again, in high school, that's where you're really trying to figure out, you know, who you are, where you want to go in life, what you want to do, what type of people you want to hang around. For sure. And so for me, man, I was just trying to survive, man. I wasn't thinking about college. I wasn't thinking about a career. I wasn't thinking about the future. I was just thinking about right here and right now, I need to make it. I, I need, I, you know, I need to keep on going. I got to keep on pushing. I can't let this thing consume me because as this was taking over my body, and my body began to give up on me, I little by little started to give up on myself and give up on my goals and my dreams and my ambitions because I was, you know, in a tough place. And sure. so 
the reason why I do what I do today to answer your question is because I know what it feels like literally to be stuck. As yeah. When I ended up in a wheelchair, it wasn't until I was 22 years old. And man, let me tell you, brother, there's no other feeling than not only literally speaking, but figuratively speaking and literally speaking, being stuck in a wheelchair, man, like having to depend on people, not being able to do things on your own, not to experience that independence that most people have. And, and I had it and I was losing it and I was going crazy, man. I was going crazy. So again, I know what it feels like to be stuck. I know what it feels like to be down and out. I know what it feels like to be depressed to a certain extent. I know what it feels like to be in a dark tunnel and there's no light at the end of it. And it wasn't until I started really understanding and comprehending what the condition was and learning that it wasn't life-threatening, which was a huge plus for me. Mm -hmm. And then also learning that I did have skills, talents, and abilities that I wasn't utilizing and maximizing to its fullest potential. And I really got just sick and tired of being sick and tired, man. I was living off of a disability check. And I was like, man, how can anyone live off of a measly $800 a month? So I went out, got a job. And, and that's where my career started. Really, I've been in the corporate America arena for 20 years. And it wasn't until just two and a half years ago that the company I was working for for seven years, they wound up laying me off. They were doing some cuts and they laid me off. And, and uh, by that time, I had already started speaking professionally, not full-time, but professionally. And I had written two books and I was selling books and getting paid for speaking here and there, not too much, but here and there. And, you know, I didn't want to quit my job yet because you got to fund the dream until the dream can fund itself, right? No doubt. And, but they wound up laying me off in January of 2018 it took me by surprise, but I wasn't like upset or depressed because I was like, man, I had a choice to make. I can either go and get another job very easily anywhere else because I have a ton of experience or I could really just, you know, take a leap of faith and, and spread my wings and go on, go out on my own and, and give this entrepreneurial journey and give it a shot. Right. And so I chose the latter. And here I am. I'm in my third year now, full time speaking professionally, getting paid, writing books, doing masterminds and, and, and master classes on book writing. Um, and one-on-one coaching. And and the reason I do all of that, man, is because I love to help people. I want to help as many people as I can before I take my last breath to get unstuck, to start living their life to the fullest, to change their mindset from a negative to a positive, no matter what they've been through. I've been through some crazy things, man, in life that I haven't mentioned yet, but we can, maybe we can get into that. But no matter what life throws out at you, man, we got to just keep pushing forward, man. And uh, that's why I have my own podcast too that's called I Won't Stop Until I Win. Yeah. And if people can just grasp that concept of not stopping until you win, man. It's life-changing, man, and transformational. Yeah, yeah. People should definitely go check out that podcast. It's inspiring stuff. I started listening and kind of couldn't stop <laughs> last <laughs> week or you, so. Man. There's some good stuff on there for sure. Something that, that something that you said, wasn't sure if it was on the podcast or not, but that really resonated with me, is that people are waiting for someone to qualify them, but you were approved when you were born. Right. And I know I walk around with a lot of negative mindset, a lot of negative mind trash, and I'm always trying to get rid of but deep down, I'm like looking for approval from somebody else, whether it's my wife or my boss or my client or the audience of this podcast, right? But to have that feeling that I'm already approved, I'm already accepted, that's a powerful thought. And, and most of us don't understand, I think, how much those negative thoughts impact the way we communicate with others, right? That's right, man. They say that one, they say that it takes someone to hear something positive 17 times to get rid of one negative statement. Wow. Yeah. Well, I haven't heard Seven, that before. 
Yeah, seven, it takes 17 positive affirmations or 17 positive statements to combat one negative statement. It's incredible the, the power that it has, you know, um, that negativity has. And so that's why I'm so positive, man. I'm always trying to keep a positive. Because listen, the reality is, is man, my parents divorced when I was two. My dad died when I was 10. I end up in a wheelchair when I'm 22. I mean, that's the perfect formula for me to just give up on life and just say, okay, I throw the towel in, I'm done, right? And off myself. Right? Quick, easy setup for me to do that. But I chose not to. I chose not to go that route. I chose to keep pushing, to keep fighting, because I know that in doing so, there's other people that are looking, look, you know, looking towards me as that light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And mm. they're, and they're looking at me for inspiration and motivation and that example. And even with my situation, right, there's so many people that are, you know, healthy, able bodied people that deal with so many different mindsets that they're struggling with. And I give them hope, man. At the end of the day, I'm a messenger of hope that that's why I do what I do every single day, man. And that's why being positive is so critical, because it takes less effort to be positive than it does to be negative. It's definitely less painful, no doubt about exactly, that. Exactly, and painful, that's right. <laughs> that's so, right. When you think about the impact that a negative mindset has on communication, how do you go about keeping those negative thoughts out and remaining positive? Like, what's your strategy for doing that? You know, it's something that I had to develop because, again, being in a wheelchair, my body giving up on me. I had a negative mindset when I was younger, very negative mindset. Anybody and, would, man. Huh? Anybody would. I mean, that's uh, you dealt with some very difficult things, obviously. Yeah, you know, and just developing that positivity. Like right now, I have a zero tolerance with my business, with my company, people that I vibe with, people that I that I even take on as clients. Like I, I send them an assessment, and if I look at the assessment and it's like fulfilled negativity, I'm like, hey, listen, guys, this this might not be a good fit because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm not in it for the income. I'm in it. I'm in it for the outcome. Right? And I want to really help people scale and exceed and, su- and succeed. So I have a zero tolerance for negativity, like family members, friends, coworkers, associates, whatever it is, colleagues, whatever it is. If you're negative, I can't be around you. And because, you know, negative and positive can't live in the same area, right? There's always sparks that, right? When you, mm-hmm. when you hit those battery cables and you're like, <laughs> like I said, I'm from the Bronx, New York. So I definitely don't want that Bronx, New York to come out <laughs> if somebody rubs me the wrong way. But I just say that jokingly, but not really. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding though. But negative and positive can't live in, in the same environment. And so I, I really try to do whatever I can to remove myself and even my own negative thoughts, right? Because I'm human. There's times where negativity tries to enter into my mind, into my thought process. But again, we have the power. We can't control a lot of things in, in life, Greg, but we can control what we think, what we speak, what we, and what we believe. When those thoughts come into your mind, you have to be able to understand and capture those thoughts and make them submit to you. Like they don't have control over you. You have control over them. So you have to force those things to submit to your command. You have the opportunity to make a choice and a decision every time that thought pops into your head or every time you come in contact with a negative person or a negative situation. You have the power to control your environment and that outcome. So you can either stay there and marinate in that, or you can remove yourself and make the decision not to be around that because the same way positivity is contagious, so is negativity. So if you stay around it for too long, you're going to catch it, right? You're going to get infected. 
So I'd rather be around people that are going to infect me, right? Even now with the whole coronavirus, right? It's an infectious disease. So I want to make sure that I'm around people that are infecting me with positivity and positive thoughts and positive vibes. And I want to be able to infect other people with the same. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely powerful stuff. I think a powerful turning point for me in my life was just when I started to realize like I'm not my thoughts, I'm not my feelings, right? Just because I'm feeling bad right now, that doesn't mean I have to stay there. Like you said, I have power over transforming that. And really what I try to be more is that future positive vision of myself, right? Trying to be the best version of myself. That's what I try to define myself as. And when the thoughts and feelings aren't aligning with that, I try to adjust them, right? And, and sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not as easy, right? You're not going to be, nobody's perfect at it. That's but right. I think that's critical. I think the other piece is controlling what you consume. Don't let a lot of negative stuff in. I think uh-huh. you, you kind of touched on it, right? But don't be around negative people, but don't read a bunch of negative stuff. Don't be yeah. arguing with people all the time. Um, just try to be positive and it just helps you be positive. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, that, and that's even like movies, TV shows, music, if it's negative and or has a negative connotation, man, you have to be aware of that and yeah. be willing enough to change the channel or turn the station or fill yourself with that positive stuff. And yeah. again, you know, like you said, we're human, man. Sometimes listening to that gossip or listening to that negative stuff is interesting and enticing, right? Like the news, you turn on the news and it's all negative, but it's like, it's almost like a drug. We want more of it, even though they're saying the same stuff over and over for the last two months with the coronavirus, Mm -hmm. like the same Mm -hmm. stuff over and we want more, we want more, give me more, give me more. Instead of saying, okay, I've had enough, let me turn this off and consume something else that's going to contradict that negativity. Yeah, no doubt. What's the saying? There, nothing is good or bad. It's it's how you make it so, or something like that, right? Like it's all your perspective on it that makes something good or bad. That's um, right. Every challenge can be an opportunity. So that's powerful stuff. But to kind of switch gears a little bit to get more into the fundamentals, I think of communication and leadership. I know you talk a lot about aggressive listening. I'd love for you to maybe tell us a little bit about kind of what that is. Maybe share an example and and help the audience just understand how they can take that concept and apply it in their own lives. That's powerful. Where'd you get that piece of information from? Because (laughs) you must have really looked into some stuff that I put out there because a lot of people, that's the first time somebody's ever brought that up. And I'm glad you did because that's a powerful point. Corporate America, customer service, sales, you always hear people talk about active listening, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. listening to the customer, listening to the client and trying to understand what they're saying. But aggressive listening is going even further beyond that. Aggressive listening is when you're actually listening and understanding them, but you're also trying to figure out how you can help them, how can you can help improve them or, or figure out what the best product or service that they need that you might be able to offer with what they're saying. So aggressive listening is going beyond what they're actually speaking and going into what they might be actually thinking, right? That's mm-hmm. powerful when you mm-hmm. can actually understand what somebody might be thinking before they even speak it or where they're going. But it's still not interrupting them, but just actively listening, right? Understanding, but then aggressively listening to what they may be in their mind be thinking or what they may be even trying to convey or portray or let out. That's the, that's the aggressive listening part. That's the stuff that you're grabbing a hold of. That stuff that goes beyond the verbal, the audible, right? It's what's not being said. That's the aggressive listening part. That's powerful stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the body language, the tonality, all those kinds of things. Exactly. Have you kind of done anything in your life to, I guess, get good at that, right? I've learned that like with practice, even doing things like watching videos and TV and YouTube videos or whatever, obviously in person practice, whenever I'm interacting or if I'm on the phone with somebody, but just 
trying to pay attention to that, somebody's tonality or when somebody gets excited about something, starts talking fast or when they tense up their body language, just trying to recognize it before trying to read it, just trying to start seeing it. Because a lot of folks don't even see it. They're just all caught up in their own heads about what they want to say next. That's right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head. It's all about awareness. We have to be aware of what's going on. We have to be aware of our surroundings, right? And looking at that tone, listening for that tonality, looking at the body language, looking at the facial expressions, right? Hearing how they're conversing with you. If there's a, what the underlying connotation is of the tone, right? And understanding that, recognizing it, being aware of it, and then being able to pivot and adjust to be able to communicate or bring them down to a, a, a level that's, because, you know, sometimes you're dealing with customers or clients and they can get elevated quickly. But understanding like their frustration, again, that's where the aggressive listening comes in so that mm-hmm. you can see past what's, what they're reacting to and not learn and develop how to be able to bring them back down to a normal conversational state where they're calm, they're collective, they're actually listening to you as well instead of just trying to spit out or get on you <laughs> aggressively because they're not getting what maybe they, what they want, right? So it's just all of that combination of all that stuff is going to help you in your business, with your clients, with your customers. It's going to help you to be able to deal with them and manage them more effectively and efficiently. And then at the end of the day, make turn them into raving fans that keep them coming back. Because I've dealt with so many types of customers and clients where you're dealing with them and there's a situation that they feel is unresolved. And at the end of the conversation, you've maintained your, your levelness, right? You've maintained that level of professionalism because you've understood and, you, and, you, and you've learned and developed that art of communication, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> you've developed that art of communication and not only from you communicating, but from you actively and aggressively listening as well because communication is a two-way street, right? So mm-hmm. once you're able to bring that conversation back down to a normal point and then actually make sure that the customer or client is actively listening to you and what you're trying to do for them, that's that man, that just changes the whole game because now they're like, they're hanging up that phone call like, man, you know what? Or they're walking away from that storefront or that business and they're like, you know what, man, that guy really, you know, he really handles his own. You know, I was coming at him and he kind of maintained himself. He was polite. He was professional. He was trying to help out. Because I, I mean, I'm a consumer too. And I've been there. I've been there where I'm calling Comcast or something like that. And you're dealing with these, with these people and you're like upset and they're trying to just do their best as well. So I, I know what that's like, man. But that can definitely, that art of communication, man, is a key piece to anyone's success in any industry. Yeah, no, I definitely appreciate and certainly agree with that. The one other note I would make there is I think it's critical to understand the individual, right? Because as we're thinking about aggressive listening and we're thinking about what's going to solve that person's problem or what we need to do to help them, it's very different from person to person. So I have five kids, right? And if one kid's angry, it could be a very different story than why another kid's angry. And the same thing isn't going to solve both of those problems. Um, so it's a, it's a challenge of understanding the individual and what they're about and where they're trying to go as well. That's right. So it's interesting. But first, have you guys ever struggled to gain traction driving paid traffic while it seems like your competitors are just having a lot more success? If so, then you're going to love what I put together for you. I mean, how about a free analysis of you versus your top three competitors to gain clarity around what is really working and what isn't and where the opportunities are? Does that sound good? Well, I've partnered with some of the best in the paid traffic business to create inflection marketing. 
I only partner with the best. No one has more experience. These guys have been doing it since 2001, and they've been helping companies win paid traffic across all channels, including Google, Microsoft, and Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Amazon. And here's the best part. For anyone who sets up a consultation appointment, we'll provide you with a free competitive analysis comparing your pay-per-click advertising versus your competitors, looking at things like messaging, keywords, volume, and cost per click. And there's no obligation for this. It'll give you the foundation that you need to succeed, whether you decide to work with us or not. So to learn more about how we can help you take your digital marketing game to the next level and drive a true inflection in your paid traffic, as well as get your complimentary competitive analysis, go to gregjrice.com backslash inflection. That's gregjrice.com backslash inflection to schedule a quick discussion to see if there may be a fit here or not. So with that, let's dive into our interview. Kind of leads into another topic I wanted to touch on. Something else you talk about is kind of indispensable leadership. So I'd love to, for you to just share a little bit on what indispensable leadership is and, and how to do it well. Yeah, so indispensable is actually the name of my company. It's called, and actually I have my shirt. It says indispensable now. Uh-huh, and yeah. the reason I came up with that name is because the word indispensable by definition means being absolutely necessary, very important, and non-replaceable. Those are three terms that I definitely didn't feel when I was younger and growing up. Actually, I felt the opposite. I felt incapable, inadequate, and and insignificant, right? Mm -hmm. So indispensable being that when you hear that in corporate America, indispensable, they always use it as a negative connotation, like no one's indispensable. If you're not doing what you're supposed to do, we'll get rid of you and bring somebody else in that maybe can do a better job for lesser pay, right? And while I understand that concept of why corporate uses not being indispensable, I kind of have a little twist to it that I use when I speak to corporate America. And so I always tell them that the position or the title may not be an indispensable, but the individual is always indispensable Mm -hmm. because no one can be a better Jose than me. No one can be a better Greg than you, right? There's no one else on the planet that, that has your complete chemical makeup. No one. Even Mm -hmm. if you had an identical twin, the makeup is completely different, right? So no one can be a better us than us. And so when I come from that avenue or from that route, and I'm showing them like indispensable leadership means by giving your employees the empowerment, empowering your employees to take lead in various situations, right? So obviously with certain levels, right? Because there always has to be levels to, to authority or levels to empowerment, so with, within the range of their scope of, of their department or their area or their space, giving them that authorization, giving them that empowerment to, to call shots, right? To be shot callers, right? In essence, to, be, to, to take ownership of that situation or that the, the department, right? To take mm-hmm. ownership. And so that's another piece that's combined with that is like the entrepreneurial mindset. A lot of corporations are looking for people to help their team developed that entrepreneurial mindset. So it's not that you own the company per se, but you're taking ownership of what you have control over and you're taking ownership of the authority that's been given to you, right? So that means accountability, responsibility, being able to use that and develop that indispensable leadership company-wide where where individuals know, even at the lowest level, hey, I have some level of authority. I have some level of empowerment. Mm -hmm. Mentally gives them the ability like, man, I have... Like, I own this. You know what I mean? Again, not literally speaking, but in their mind, like, man, I own this. Like, 
They've given me authority to make decisions. They've given me authority to make calls and give credits or refunds or, or reverse, whatever the case may be, right? So now they feel empowered. And when someone feels empowered, man, they, they feel pumped up. They feel motivated. They feel outgoing. They feel confident. And when you have an employee that feels all of these positive affirmations, guess who's benefiting? You are. The business, businesses. The clients are... Your team is because again, it's infectious. So now, if you have a whole team of people who have power to a certain extent or feel empowered, now that team's going to be rocking and rolling, mm-hmm. right? And you know, some companies even compete internally with departments, like they have departmental competitions, mm-hmm. healthy competitions, right? And so now they're like, oh man, this department is really getting some good results. We need to step our game up. So now that department is, that whole team is like, okay, we got to step up. And so it's going to, and then it just spreads like a wildfire. Next thing you know, you have a mini Amazon growing or a mini Google growing or a mini UPS growing or, or something like that, right? And yeah. the whole company's on fire and, and ready to go full steam ahead. Yeah, now that's beautiful. And I think that you're also a lot more nimble in that universe, right? Because exactly. you're leveraging the gifts of everybody on your team. You're much less authoritative. And so you're much less rigid. You're able to adapt much more quickly and effectively. And Nothing is constant but change right now. So it's, it's, it's really important, I think, to, to have that mindset as a leader. Yeah, yeah. And if there's anybody listening or, or watching this, if you have that authoritarian type of leadership style, it's something that you want to just step back and kind of just reassess that because that type of leadership does not work. Yeah. Um, you, might, you might feel empowered. You might feel in control, but your team feels miserable. <laughs> yeah. And they may not be saying it. They may not be saying it to you, but trust me, they're thinking it themselves and they're talking amongst each other as well. Definitely just not a good look. So if you, if you feel like you may have any inkling of it, uh, and the way you can recognize that is if you always have to be right, you always <laughs> have to have the last say, you always need to feel like you need to be in control and you feel like you need to be calling the shots. Those are just some signs that you have an um, authoritative type of a leadership style and it's not a healthy one. So you might want to just assess that. just wanted to throw that out there for anybody listening. I'm just trying to help you out so that your team can get fired up and pumped up and, 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 and go to the next level. Yeah, that's great. And it's important that folks might not even realize that they're being perceived that way because we never see ourselves how other folks see us. You know, we might think that we're, take anybody's feedback in, but their perspective might be, man, they just tell me what to do and that's it. They never listen to my feedback or apply it, you know? <laughs> um, so that's, that, that's great thinking. So one other thing I want to pivot to, and then just a few questions I try to ask everybody who I have on the show, but a lot of the folks in my audience are, are kind of interested in building relationships with mentors, right? And folks who are leading in their space. And I saw that you were able to do that with Les Brown and build a really kind of powerful relationship with him. So I just wanted to know if you could share anything from your story on, on how you did that. And if you have any guidance for other folks trying to build relationships with mentors in their fields. Yeah, man. Mentorship, coaching mentorship. I think it's very, very powerful and very much needed for everyone, right? Because we always, there's always someone else that has been where we are that we can learn from. Right? And Les Brown was my mentor before I even met him in person, uh, before I even started working with him. He was a mentor to me because I watched all his YouTube videos. I followed his social media like crazy. And it wasn't, it wasn't only Les. It was, there were several other speakers that I really was fond of. But Les's story was the one that resonated with me the most. His personality style and his, just his sociability was, was very much like mine. So I said, man, that, that's a guy I would love to you know, be able to emulate and be like. So 
I've started looking into what do I need to do to be, become a motivational speaker. And I really studied him like crazy. I watched his body language, like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I watched, I listened to his tone, his tonality. I listened to his, the type of humor he used and when he used it. And I watched his stage movement and his stage presence, just things like that. And then I just started to kind of like imitate some of the things he would do. And then adding in my own story, my own experiences, my own expertise and then I finally was able to meet him and uh, I was prepared when I met him, I was prepared. And I, that's why I, the reason I say that is because if there's any of you that are out there and you're looking for a mentor or you're looking for someone who you maybe think is so hard, you know, high up there or so far out there that, that you can't reach, man, these guys, are, especially now with social media, a lot of these guys are available and, and reachable, right? Mm-hmm. So you just have to make sure that when you approach them, that you approach them properly, correctly, mm-hmm. and that you're prepared. You know, Whitney Young Jr. said that it's always better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than have an opportunity and not be prepared. Mm -hmm. So when I met Les Brown, I was prepared. I had my speaker kit with all my information in it. I gave him a, it was like a manila envelope, one of those yellow envelopes with everything that I had created. I put it in there, gave it to him. And uh, he said, is all your information in there? I said, yeah, uh, Les, everything you need. And anything you need to get in touch with me is in that package um, with additional information. So, um, you know, please give me a call. That was on a Wednesday. That following Thursday, I go back to work for the corporation that had laid me off. And (laughs) I get a phone call. And I thought it was from somebody who I was networking with that was just following up with me. And when I picked up the phone, it was Les Brown. He called me the next day, man. And ever since then, that was five years ago. Ever since then, we've been uh, working together together. We've done, we've traveled together. We've done events together. I went on tour with him two years ago and it was just amazing, man. Life change, completely life changing for me. Mentors can definitely help you speed up the process, right? There's no get rich quick stuff because you have to Mm. put in the work, but a mentor can definitely help you get to where you want to go a lot much quicker, a lot faster and avoiding a lot of the pitfalls and, and speed bumps along the way so that you can avoid those things to get to where you want to go a little faster. But you still have to go through the process by putting in the work that you need to do. But again, it just helps you out to get there a little more quickly than the, the normal person who doesn't have a mentor. Yeah, that, that's an amazing story. So thank you for sharing it. And I think a couple points I take away. One, being prepared is critical, right? You just didn't walk up and say, hey, Les, I want to be a speaker like you. You know, you, you've done a ton of work before that and you were ready to go. That's right. And two, you weren't afraid to walk up to him. I think a lot of folks are afraid. These are folks that they tend to idolize in one way or another who they perceive as, I don't want to say more important, but certainly more successful than them. Not everybody has this issue, but a lot of folks might be afraid just to knock on that door or make that phone call or step up and introduce themselves. The worst that can happen is they can say no, right? And, and you move okay. on to the next one. Right. So you got to be willing to kind of at least take that step because you never know where it's mm-hmm. going to lead. That's right. Absolutely. You know, and that's one of the, that's actually one of the main things that's allowed me to be, to reach my level of success that I've reached so far is because I was, I've never been afraid to ask. But when I do ask, like you said, I make sure I'm prepared and I ask correctly and properly. I'm always asking in a way, not like, I saw this interview the other day where the, the guy was, the guy who was being interviewed was, was talking about how that person that was interviewing him approached him. And he was making a statement that when most people come asking, they're asking with their hands out, Uh right? Like, gimme, gimme, what can I get? But the way he asked was, you know, he asked, but he also brought something to the table of value that the other guy would be able to use. And I Uh think that if we can acknowledge that and be aware of that, like, 
and remove that mindset of like me, me, me. We live in such a self-centered and selfish world, but what can I do for that person? How can I add value to that person? That's going to take you a lot further than being selfish, right? Because those handouts, people don't like that. You have to put in the work. You have to do the research, look into the people that you want to interview or get in touch with or connect with and build a relationship with and let it be genuine. Don't let it be self-serving in other words, right? And really just bring something to the table that you can add value with. You may be sitting there listening to this like, well, I don't have any money. I just got laid off from coronavirus. My company just closed down. I don't have any resources. I don't have any connections. And that may be the, that may be a fact, but the fact still remains that even though you don't have those resources, you could still be resourceful mm-hmm. and think of creative ways that you can approach these individuals and asking them in a way that doesn't seem self-serving, but that, seem, but that seems like you want to add value to them, right? Absolutely. That's going to take you a long way. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So just three quick questions that I like to kind of ask everybody. They're, not, they're kind of random, but not completely random, right? First one, I really believe in the power of conversations. So I always like to ask my guests that if there's one conversation you can point to in your life that's had a really meaningful impact upon the path that you've taken. I had a conversation one time with one of my other mentors. His name is Victor Antonio. And he was telling me that if if you put me in front of 10,000 people, live people, I'm like in the zone. You put me in a room by myself with a camera and tell me to record and start talking. I'm like a deer in the headlights. Like, I don't know what to say. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's how I was in the beginning. But with practice and courage and boldness and just recording and hitting post or publish. Right. That's gotten me a lot more comfortable with doing that. But one of my mentors told me, he said, you know what, Jose? Uh, He said, every day that you don't show up for life and every day that you don't put a post up or put a motivational video out or do something, send an email out to your database, every day that you don't show up for life, you're being selfish and arrogant. And Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, selfish and arrogant, man, that's kind of (laughs) heavy. And he was like, well, you want me to keep it real with you, right? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. He was like, well, that's the reality, man. He was like, every day you don't show up for life, you're letting someone down because there's people that are following you. When you're an influencer, there's people that are following you, that are people that are that are waiting for you to post something or or say something or put a picture up or put some type of motivational content up. And they're relying on you. And and when you don't show up, you're letting them down. And to me, that that just didn't sit well with me. And it really, you know, kind of plucked one of my heartstrings. And I was like, man, that's kind of deep. So every day after that conversation, that was last, I think that was like early last year, actually. Every day since then, I've been posting consistently, like every single day, man, every day. Very every cool. Day. Yeah, because yeah, you, you never know who you might be able to impact today that won't be there tomorrow. You know, they, they exactly. won't be on social media tomorrow, but today they're there and you can make an, you can make an impact. Or you won't be there for someone who literally won't be there tomorrow because they were maybe contemplating suicide. And because you showed up and shared something that spoke to them. Now they're saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to kill myself today. You know, I'm going to keep on pushing, keep on fighting, keep on moving forward because of what this person said. And to be honest, uh, Greg, that's happened to me three times since I've been speaking. Wow. Yeah. Where people have reached out to me and told me that they were contemplating suicide and because they saw a video or they heard me speak at an event live that, and they heard my story that they really changed their mind about taking their own lives. And to me, man, that's like, there's no greater feeling or reward or honor to know that 
you know, especially for me, man, like I, I, when I was younger, I never thought I would be able to do anything great in life. I never thought I would be able to do anything of significance. I thought that I was going to just live and die in his wheelchair, live at my mom's house and, and my dad's house. And, and that was it. I was going to die. And here I am all these years later, man, really making an impact in people's lives, really helping them to transform their thinking and their mindsets and helping to save their lives, man, by sharing mm-hmm. my story, by sharing, by having a conversation, like we were talking about, like having a conversation, sharing your story. And people literally changing their minds and saying, hey, no, I don't want to go down that path. I want to go down this path because if he can do it and he's in a wheelchair, then how much more can I do? And I'm not in a wheelchair and I have more freedoms and liberties and and abilities to do. How much more can I accomplish? And that's pretty much at the end of the day, what I'm here to do, man, to just show people that if I can do it in my condition and you can do it in your condition. Yeah, it's powerful. That's powerful. And gave me chills kind of talking about, you know, saving people's lives. That's, that's exciting stuff. Yeah, man, definitely. That's like, that's my high, man. Like not only that, but just like when I'm speaking and we're having a conversation and you, you can literally see the light bulb go off in people's heads sometimes. And it's like, wow, I get it now. And when you're able to be the person to see that happen, that's like, no, there's no better feeling than that, man. Like, cause you know, like this person's going to get it. They're going to make change and they're going to be, they're going to be the change that they want to see and make a difference. Yeah. And that's kind of the power of communicating effectively, clearly and with passion. I think, yeah, man. And, and genuinely connecting with people. So that's, that's great stuff. Second question, not nearly as, as deep probably, but I get asked a lot about kind of first impressions, right? So if somebody's approaching you for the first time, what's kind of the one thing that jumps out at you that is either positive or negative that would make you say, yeah, man, I want to work with this person or get to know this person or vice versa? Yeah, that's a great question, man. I, I Actually, I really like that question because I think that's important for people to know and understand. So for me, when people reach out to me on social media, a lot of times it's Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook, and they're wanting me to be on their podcast or they're wanting me to speak at their event or whatever the case may be, I'm looking at the tone of what they're saying, right? Again, it goes mm-hmm. back to tone. I'm thinking, I'm looking at what they're saying and I'm looking at if they're sounding selfish, if they're sounding genuine and authentic, and coming from a good hearted place, I can read that. That's one of my gifts. I have like a a spirit of discernment. I can really discern and and look at and hear somebody or look at somebody's body language. I guess that's probably growing up from New York too. You got to be on alert all the time, right? (laughs) But really like just recognizing those things and just, you know, if they come correct and I feel like they're being authentic and genuine and, they ha- and they're coming from a good place and they may have a good heart, then I'll go ahead and say, like the way you reached out, Greg, you reached out to me and I, I appreciated the way you reached out to me. And that's why I said, yeah, hey, send me your link. Let's rock and roll. But then there's other times where people like you can literally read the email and you just you can know that's like, OK, they're just either just out for themselves. They just want to use me for whatever they can use me for. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to deal with them. And I'll just ignore them. But, you know, that's why it's powerful to know how to reach out to people. Maybe I might do a course on that, man, because I think that people need to really learn <laughs> how to yeah. reach out to people, man. It really show them like emails that I've sent out. Is I might, you just gave me an idea, man. I think I might put something together after this, after this podcast, because I think it's important. Wow. I think it's valuable for people to understand, like, how do you approach people, right? Yeah. When you're scared, when you don't have information, when you're not knowledgeable, when you don't maybe not know them that well, right? You, you can still do limited research and things like that, but how, when you get that stuff, how do you go ahead and approach them? Like, how can you figure out what you have to offer so that you don't seem selfish or you don't come across selfish or yeah. arrogant or ignorant, right? <laughs> yeah, or overly needy either, right? Like, you yeah, can't come across like, well. oh, I, 
I need all this help from you. You know, um, yeah, yeah. it's gotta be the balance. I so, know that's exciting. If you put that together, let me know. I'd love to, uh, lo- love to see what's born of our conversation. That's cool. Yeah. 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 You know, and then there's times where like people will reach out to me and they're like, I can tell that they just want to be on my podcast to promote whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's not what my podcast is about. It's not, I mean, I don't mind doing it. Right. If we have a conversation and you say, Hey, I have this and, and I offer you and I offer to say, Hey, listen, you know, you have a book out, you have a program, you have a service. I'll go ahead and promote that. But when you just off the back, just hit me up and ask to be on the show and then say, Hey, while I'm on the show, can I promote this? Can I promote that? That's a red flag for me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, now I see what you're trying to do. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So last question for you, as you kind of look at what you've been able to do and what you've been able to build and all the challenges that you've kind of gone through along the way. If you could have went back and kind of had one communication skill in greater abundance than you did, that would have made the journey easier. What would that be? If I would have been able to communicate a certain way early on, I would have started to communicate with less insecurities, Mm -hmm. with less insecurities, like with more confidence, being more confident in my ability. And I think most pe- most speakers specifically, and maybe that's in, in, in all across the board, but I think most people when they're starting in something new, they're going into something that's unfamiliar. So it may be uncomfortable, they may feel insecure, they may feel, you know, not confident, maybe fearful. But I think that early on, I think I would probably be go into some of my speaking engagements with more confidence because there were some times where I was like not confident. I still did it. And then I'd come off beating myself up like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't really give it my all or, oh man, I forgot to say this or I forgot to say that. Even though other people were like, oh man, great job, great job. But inside I'm like, man, I know I didn't kill it on this one, you know? And it was because I wasn't confident enough. So I would definitely just be confident and confidence comes through being courage, right? Being, Mm -hmm. being courageous and having courage because confidence isn't the lack of fear or the presence of fear. It's the overcoming of it. So Mm -hmm. when you can build that courage and overcome the fear, that's going to make you more confident. That's going to make you more secure. And then when you get on stage, plus with the practicing, obviously that should go without saying practicing. Once you hit that stage or once you go into whatever it is that you're going into, you're going to feel that confidence. You're going to feel that boldness and you're going to go and you're going to kill it. You're going to execute and you're going to be like, afterwards, you're going to feel good about yourself because you know you went in being confident, bold, and you were prepared, right? Because you practiced. Yeah, no doubt. Preparation's key. I was just talking to somebody on stage fright the other day and you know we were talking about focusing on kind of the goal, the message, what you're trying to achieve, what, that, what you're trying to give to that other person. Not so much about yourself. You're never going to do it perfectly. Nothing, uh, nothing is, what, what was the saying I heard not too long ago that we talked about? You know, nothing is the game. Everything is practice, right? There's never a game. It's just mm-hmm. always practice. It's always about getting better. There's never a performance because there's always an opportunity to continue to improve. So there's no perfect ending. Um, and that, like a switch of mindsets can be really powerful from that perspective as well. So yeah, absolutely. 100%. I agree with that 100%. Very cool. Very cool. So tell folks where they can find you. I know you got kind of lots of stuff out there as far as the book, the podcast, the website. So where can, where can folks get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely, man. I actually, uh, I have two books out and I'm actually just finished writing a third book with my wife oh. and that's going to be dropping this summer. That's the goal to drop this summer. But, um, they can go to joseinspires.com, www.joseinspires.com. They can follow me on any social media platform at Jose Inspires. My podcast is on every platform and it's called I Won't Stop Until I Win with Jose Flores. 
which is my last name. But yeah, you go to Google, you just type in Jose Flores, motivational speaker, Jose Flores, entrepreneur, Jose Inspires. You'll see all my information pop up or just go to my website. Everything is there as well. Joseinspires.com. Got it. Got it. And like I said before, a ton of really motivational, positive stuff. So if you want to get in a good mood, go ahead and check out some of those resources. And, and if you're looking to have Jose come in and speak, I'm sure he'd love to have that conversation as well, if, if he can motivate your team. So Jose, thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate it. And thank you everybody for listening. I hope everybody has a great day. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me, man. Rock and roll. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the communication nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.